not winning 90% of your new business because you have some sort of incredible value. I'm going to take a bit of a different angle. You know, I've got a budget this big. I'm going to give it to you because you have a, a really killer plan. You give a Red Bull to a turtle, what do you expect? <laughs> I think that's a dead turtle. <laughs> so let's move on to... Uh, hey, Rick. Cheers. 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 Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way, with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hi there. Welcome to the Digital Insurance Point Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Reed, and as always, I'm joined by my colleagues, Jeff Roy, CEO of Excalibur Insurance, Adam Mitchell, CEO of Mitchell & Whale Insurance, and Steve Earl, CEO of Cheap Insurance. And today, we're very pleased to be joined by Sam Jazzieri. Sam, how's it going? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Hey, Sam, do you want to give us a quick intro to uh, who you are? I'm an insurance broker, first and foremost, and I, I work at Prime Service Insurance. It's a family brokerage. I joined it in 2016. So it's been about five years and um, I'm very fortunate. My dad has been very open in getting me involved in the actual operation of our brokerage. So one of the biggest, uh, I guess, goals we've had together over the past couple of years is getting digitized and uh, changing our BMS to get us future proof and future ready. So that's kind of what we've gone through over the past year. Actually, it, yesterday to the day was exactly one year since our brokerage changed our BMS. We're exactly 12 months in one day. Our, our live date was June 1st, 2020. And um, yeah, at my office, I'm, I'm a, like I said, I'm an insurance broker. I do interact with consumers directly, but I'm also a team leader helping our producers. And I've just recently began getting involved in uh, hosting some webinars to kind of share my insights about the BMS change process. You came across my radar because you've been putting yourself out there, you guys obviously went through a bunch of soul searching and then a whole bunch of hard work to switch BMSs, which is a relatively unusual experience uh, and generally a traumatic one. And so I came across uh, you uh, offering up your time to help others. And I figured, well, hey, let's, let's, let's snag you and um, give you another platform from which to uh, share your experience. Uh, so let's get to know you a little in a little more depth here. And I'm going to pass the uh, talking stick over to Jeff, who will go through our speed round. Sam, it sounds like you're the BMS man. So great to meet you. Really cool to have you on the show. This is the part we did, where our, our listeners get to find out more about you. I want to start you off with who is your favorite Canadian band new musician? I guess Tragically Hip. Uh, I'm not a huge uh, rock fan, but uh, recently my girlfriend's dad introduced me to them. We watched their uh, their night in Toronto concert, and that was a good time. Hey, you got to love the hip. Uh, I think all of us are big hip fans, so a uh, good, good choice. Uh, New Orleans is sinking and sometimes our BMS feels like it's sinking and we don't know how to swim, right? So, but uh, what, what's your favorite music? If you're not listening to a Canadian band, what's your favorite musical genre or artist? Yeah, it's usually hip hop. Like uh, I'm a huge J. Cole fan. He just came out with a new album recently. Um, the Weeknd, you know, he's from Toronto, so got to represent him. So uh, it's been hip hop since I've grown up, but uh, gets more and more diverse as I get older. Awesome. Weekend's pretty solid, pretty solid. Uh, great uh, Super Bowl performance for sure, right? So yeah. uh, when you're not checking out BMSs, what are you doing in your free time? What do you do for hobbies or sports? Um, 
recently, the past year, I've really gotten into two really basic hobbies, reading and working out. I know they're kind of very boring stuff, but I've gotten super into reading, like going back into like kind of literature type stuff, like starting from the Iliad and reading some Plato. And uh, and uh, right now I'm reading a poem from like the year 1000. So that's been my hobby the, the past year. It's just reading really dorky books. Wow. Well, that's pretty good. Pretty uh, not many insurance brokers are that deep in DNA. So far too cultured for this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's far enough away from the day to day. So that's what makes me happy. <laughs> Forget about life here. <laughs> now, are you an iPhone or Droid user? iPhone. I've always been an iPhone. What's the last app you downloaded on your phone? Discord. Discord. I, I'm not super familiar with it, but I guess it's a new like a community building type app. And there's a couple like uh, crypto communities that I wanted to follow and see the conversation on. So um, yeah, just just about like a few days ago, I downloaded Discord. Awesome, awesome. And last question, Sam. Uh, when this COVID stuff's over and we can get the heck out of Ontario, where is the one place you want to travel anywhere in either Canada or the world? Where do you want to go? Belize. One of my friends recently went to Belize, like right before the pandemic. And uh, another one of my friends, she's fully vaccinated. She's in the States. She went to Belize. A lot of great diving there. So. I've been there three times. It's it's awesome. The Blue Hole, best diving in the world, man. It's it's great. All right, guys, that's all my questions for now. Pass it back. Great job, Sam. Sam, I've just got one more quick question before we get into talking about the whole experience of going through a BMS uh, changeover. How did... What made you decide to get into insurance? Uh, I was uh, I always worked in sales, and uh, out of school, I graduated uh, uh, in 2014. Out of school, I worked at Johnson and Johnson, like a consumer goods company, uh, and I was on their business development on their sales side. And I wanted to do something more entrepreneurial, something more kind of hit the pavement, uh, you know, kill what you eat or eat what you kill kind of thing. And um, uh, you know, I had a couple ideas and I talked to my dad and he said, listen, there's a business here and prime service is fairly new. It's, it opened in 2012. So it's not like it's a longstanding thing. He said, listen, we've opened this just a few years ago. Give it a shot. Two years. If you like it, you can stay. If you don't like it, you have good experience. You can always leave. And, um, I said, okay, that's, that's, that's an awesome opportunity. I, I dived in, um, or dove in uh, as a you know commission-based producer, and I kind of fell in love. It's uh, it's exact. I feel like even if I wasn't in uh, a family brokerage, I would have kind of gone from job to job, career to career, until I landed in this business. So I'm 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 happy to be here, and uh, I'm not going to look back. That's great. Well, and speaking of business development, we need to uh, give a shout out to our sponsors. So uh, first and foremost, to our title sponsor, IFS Premium Finance. So uh, thank you very much. That helps power the show and helps give, give some money off to our charity partner, WIC. And uh, also shout out to the crew group and Garrison, which I see Sam has cracked one of those uh, already. Which, uh, which Garrison are you uh, got going there, Sam? I couldn't get to the Garrisons because my girlfriend was on a video call with her manager and they're behind her. So I, I have a completely different <laughs> beer, but I love Garrison too. <laughs> you could have just lied, you know. You could have just <laughs> I, I, I'm so bad at lying. I can't do it. <laughs> Takeaway number one for Sam. Okay, so the point of us being here is your organization has gone through a significant change, right? I mean, you started in... 2012, uh, so a year ago, so that would have been 2020. So eight years, you're on uh, BMS. Uh, so let, let's 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 dive right into that. Uh, and first off, maybe just so that our listeners know, this isn't uh, you know like, like a little 
mom and pop shop. So just give us give us a sense. How big is the office? How big is is Prime? Yeah, it's definitely not a mom and pop shop, and we're trying to get more uh, more and more you know processes incorporated every day. Uh, we've got about forty producers, uh, commission based, and uh, we've got ten staff. And those staff, uh, you know, we, we we kind of group them all as our support staff, but that includes our reception, uh, internal underwriting, customer service, and, and, and TSRs for for upload as well. So and uh, commercial versus personal lines. What's your what's your sort of mix of business split there? It's it's primarily personal lines. I'd say it's like eighty twenty. Um, and our commercial lines is uh, smaller accounts like uh, contractors and uh, you know small retail. So which BMS were you on? Which BMS are you now on? And what made you decide to make the switch? We were on Applied uh, Cloud, so uh, Applied Tam Cloud. So we were on their uh, not not their Epic product. We were on Tam, and but we had their cloud uh, functionality. Now we're on Vertifor. Uh, we still use Applied Rating Services for our for our um, personal lines rating, uh, but we're on Vertifor with Keel BMS and the Vertifor cloud. The change was kind of a few years in the making and it started right from the moment I joined Prime Service in 2016, realizing the lack of technical tools and basic stuff like a PDF editor. You know, you make a typo on a client's name and they ask you to fix it before they sign. That's a very easy ask. Um, we, you know, we had to go through many hoops to change it. Why not just have a PDF editor to fix that quickly and get it, get it back out to the customer uh, easy? So that was one of the first things, getting a PDF editor. And it was one of my first interactions with our what, what, be, what to me became our biggest roadblock to digitization, which was Applied or our BMS provider. Um, you know, just getting that PDF provider for us on the cloud required us to move to that private cloud so we could get our own softwares. And then, um, so there's an upfront cost there. And then once we moved there, we were able to get our, get our PDF editor. Sam, I'll put my, uh, applied hat on here. And, uh, why wouldn't you just go to Epic? Did it have all to do with the cloud and the, the, the additional software stack that you couldn't get being part of the cloud or. I looked at Epic not through Applied. I actually met with a, a, a another broker who was on Epic, and I just went to their office and shadowed them for a day. It to me, it looked like it was just a new version of the same. And I think, and I could be wrong about their approach. And I actually listened to your episode with the CEO of Applied about how he's moving to openness. But my impression of Epic was that it would still remain a closed network pro- offering. And uh, those costs in terms of setup costs and integration costs would still be there once we, uh, when, if we move to Epic. So, you know, the costs are there in terms of data migration. Epic was not going to waive those fees to move from their platform to the new platform. And um, if the costs are there, then we might as well look at what else is out there. And our goal was that two-way integration. So did you look at any other other than uh, Vertifor? Uh, yeah, Vertifor. I think uh, Vertifor Canada. <laughs> um, yeah, we looked at a, a power broker and we looked at broker workstation. And they all have their advantages and disadvantages. Um, and this is kind of what I get into in those uh, how to change your BMS sessions that I've been hosting with uh, IBAO and with uh, IBAS in, in, in Saskatchewan. So let me just ask Adam or Jeff, have you guys moved BMSs? 1990, I came into my dad's brokerage in 1989. We uh, were on Power Broker, and I, I'll put us on Power Broker, and two years later, we went to Applied in 93. 
And uh, that's the two major shifts. We did have uh, custom software, TBW. We also used it for farm rating uh, for a number of years. So that's kind of, we, we stopped using them just because the farm market kind of matured and the rates, what was in the system didn't matter because companies made up their own rates anyway. So it just didn't keep pace, but that's kind of my experience. I, I moved from, from Power Broker to Epic in uh, 2014 or 15. And um, yeah, I agree with you, Sam, in that they all have their their pluses and minuses, no matter where you land. And most of those minuses you don't find out until you're there. A lot of the like what what you receive from the from the sales guy's pitch compared to the product that you're getting. I don't care what BMS it is; it's a lot. It seems to be a lot different. And uh, I don't know. I've been quoted on this a couple of times. Like in my opinion. Um, applied Epic is the piece of shit that stinks the least right now, at least in my opinion. Well, it's, it sounds like what Sam was trying to do was look at commercially available things that aren't weren't traditional parts of uh, an insurance broker's technology portfolio. Did you just quickly just maybe give us a bigger picture of your tech stack? Maybe now, uh, whether you're using 20, 30, or 40 different softwares to provide your experience at your brokerage, and was the cloud of applied a limiting factor. Like you mentioned that the cloud couldn't load things or it was expensive to load things. And that was a, one of your motivating factors to shift uh, is, is, did you look at different cloud hosting environments where I'll use any system and I'll get a third party to host it? Was that part of your decision-making and did the cloud, uh, the, the lack of ability to put things into the applied cloud, was that the real thing that motivated you? Uh, there's a lot there and I have a lot of comments on it. Definitely we did look at uh, having a third party clouding uh, cloud provider or hosting provider. And originally that was our, our, uh, our goal was to have three different providers for the three different uh, products, uh, a, a rating service, a cloud, and then the actual BMS. That was our original intention. Um, it was I'll, I'll chalk it up to my own inexperience in our first attempt at partnering with a hosting uh, provider and not realizing the amount of technical involvement that it requires either from us or from them to connect as a hosting provider to the the BMS and to applied rating. So that created, that was a huge hurdle as we're going through the change. And we were so late in the project when we realized that was a problem that we just turned around and said, okay, Vertifor, we need to delay in exchange for the delay, but we'll go on your cloud. You know, we don't have like a tech stack, like 30 different softwares or 40 different things yet. What we do have is optimism about the future where we can do that. But the one really simple tool that we've been able to use is Pathway, Pathway Email Marketing. And um, with uh, with TAM, they allowed us to use it, but they, they wouldn't allow us to have two-way integration. So if, uh, if Pathway sent an email to our clients, we could never get that attached or saved in our client file to know that that email was sent. Um, now on, on SIG, we actually have that. So that's a huge difference because it's one thing to send the email out. It's another thing to have a notice that the email was sent and opened. There's an E&O responsibility that get, goes off your shoulders when you have in your system that an email was sent, it was read by your client, and they've seen it. So yeah, we only have Pathway right now, but that's because I haven't had enough time to kind of step back and see, okay, what is out there? What tools do we want to provide uh, to our to our uh, producers and then also to our uh, ultimately to our consumers? So you, you've you've likely had staff that were there when it was a one-way integration with Applied and now that it's a two-way integration with Vertifor. 
how how have those how have those folks reacted? Is it you know what's what's really changed? And have do they see the benefit of this, or is it more sort of you know E and O? Therefore, it's more the owners you know, the owner's issue. They didn't see the benefit. If you ask me this question on July, 2020, the first 30 days, but they see it now because the, you know, they open up their renewal list, you know, just like, a, like an old school producer, you open up your renewal list. Who do you have to contact, go through them one by one. And, um, all they have to do is check their client file, see re- your upcoming renewal opened by your client on, you know, June 1st at 2 PM, close that, close that follow-up. If there's no follow-up, if there's no, if there's no action. So we're actually shaving time off of our producer's, uh, workload so they can focus on what matters to them most. Okay. As, as the guy in the backyard, it, it, I'll take that shot across the bow. Can I, can I ask a, a few pointed questions? I, it's a bit of a four parter. Um, do you know what it cost you in either time or money to migrate from one BMS to the other on like a 50 person shop's not small. So I, I presume this, there's a serious cost here. I, have not done the calculation to quantify what that money what that money cost was in terms of the actual just the change cost opposed uh, uh, you know aside from the training that they bill you and the integration that they that they invoice you um, I think like most brokers we don't have or small size medium sized brokerages we don't have a like a digital lead or like a manager of internal office change or whatever it is. So I took on a lot of that heat. Is it fair to say that you took like six months or like it would have taken a lot of your focus pre, during and post? Yeah, I could say probably pre was a solid, like if you just put it, if you add up all the time that happens in chunks, it's all the two weeks, three weeks of work and post um, I think it took us, it, it put more pressure on us than the typical brokerage will need now when you're moving to Vertifor at least because the Vertifor cloud has hugely improved. Like those first three months, I I hated my life. I'm, I can't even express how painful those f- first three months were. And kudos to them. They've really upped their game. Their Vertifor cloud now is excellent, fast, you know, works, it's functional, uh, everything is smooth. Uh, but those first three months, they were in a change process themselves. Let's just chalk that up on, on the cost side of, of six months. And, and we're not sure on, on hard dollars, but you know, some and some significant sums. Now, can we talk about the benefit side? Have you seen sales go up? Sales have increased. I don't know. I haven't done the analysis to tie the sales increase to our BMS change. Um, what I can say that I'm really proud of is that during the BMS change process, I would say from June to September, when everything was new, sales were not interrupted. We continued our same pace of growth throughout the change. So that was my biggest concern that in June 2020, we're going to tell everyone, learn a new technology. And as a result, we're going to see a 20% dip in, in production. And we didn't see that. And I think one of the key factors to that was that we did not change our rating service. That's actually why broker workstation was eliminated as one of our options is because they needed us to go to their rating service. Uh, Don't know if their offering has changed now, but at that time, that's what it was. And we said, no, that would be too much interruption. So if I had a producer who wants to write a home or auto business, um, they still know how to quote it. And uh, you can do applications right in applied rating and you can still use eSign. We'll get a CSR to help you figure out attaching and all that. So that was our biggest goal. Don't get uh, interrupted. Um, I want to go back because it ties into this cost piece. Uh, Comment Steve made about going to Epic. Um, One of the advantages of Vertifor is that Vertifor has concurrent licensing. 
So we've seen a cost saving as a result. When we have 40 producers, um, you know, we have some very hardworking producers working 12 hours a day. We have some more laid back producers working four hours a day. So why pay for 40 full licenses when you can pay for 30 full licenses and, uh, and those 40 people can share them? And um, that was uh, that's so that's been a big uh, cost savings, and it's this year already. It will offset that cost savings alone will offset all of our financial investment in the change. I got a comment on on the way that it sounds like you manage this pretty well. I've heard of all kinds of other nightmares, and sort of it sounds like we're around a one year ROI. But my my two other ones, and I guess I'll jam it together. Is have you seen a noticeable bump in retention or sort of? a client experience uptick? These are great questions. And I definitely need to put in the work to do this level of analysis and uh, you know have firm numbers. Um, what I can tell you anecdotally from a client experience perspective, the simplest thing, the fact that now Pathway sends digital insurance slips, my clients under 50 love it. They, they love it. Every single client that gets a digital insurance slip automated, the email is from me, add to wallet, forget about it. Um, th- I'm getting really great feedback across the board from my clients and from the producers who are getting that from their clients. Does Vertifor charge a, uh, an initial fee for each user? If you wanted to add a user, so if you want to go to 51, is there a cost for to add a user? Yeah, there is. But one thing that they do when you're when you're switching to them, they for us at least they waived the initial user setup fees. So your your webinars that you've been doing, are they uh specific to the BMS or is it just generally BMS change? Are you agnostic? Doesn't matter. Like I share a bit of my own reasoning behind why we landed at Vertifor, but I um I'm very uh specific about not saying that Vertifor is right for everyone or that Epic is right or wrong for everyone or you, you know anything like that. One thing that I talk a lot about is uh, a single vendor approach versus a multi-vendor approach. So I think about Epic as a single vendor approach. So you got Applied, providing you their cloud, their Raider, their BMS. They work together beautifully. And I compare that to like the Apple ecosystem. You know, your, your MacBook, your, your iPad, your AirPods, it's all of it is beautifully connected. Uh, versus a multi-vendor approach, which is uh, kind of what I was trying to go after. Kind of you get a you get a, an environment, a raider, a BMS, and you know the, the different levels. And I try to show where each BMS provider lands on that kind of sliding scale between single and multi-vendor. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers, and I said to him, "Dude." What's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. 
We flew to Columbia, we saw his operation, and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at Virtual Intel, that's with two L's, that's Virtual, I-N-T-E-L-L.com. Go check us out, see what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology, delivered right into your agency, and you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just, there's so much stuff, I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel, cast certified. So what's your uh, top pieces of advice? The first piece of advice sound, might sound really obvious, but it's uh, to start with your why. Actually be grounded in why you're moving. Don't just change because you hate vendor X, right? Um, if you hate a certain vendor, you will not be happy because the grass might always look greener. It will not be greener for those six months when you're going through that change. So that's one thing I really stress is actually have a vision for why you're moving because you're going to need to rally yourself around that vision. You're going to need to rally your team around that vision. That would be advice number one. I can, I can probably think of another couple of advice if, if you like. Sure. Know what kind of people you have in terms of are they producers are they are they salaried staff and and uh, and and have that lead time and that kind of plugs into the training side with the training the BMS vendors will offer you a training package and it's an expensive package like somewhere between ten to thirty thousand dollars might be even more if you have more people and their training they say it it covers everything and uh, if you want to personalize it it's even more expensive. And so, you know, you kind of shy away from personalizing it because it's already a $25,000 bill and you're like, this is absurd. I wasn't expecting this. But the reality is that when they do their training, they're just showing you everything with no context to your office's workflow. So I would suggest either spend extra money to get the training personalized to your office workflow exactly how your office uses it and getting your getting the appropriate people learning the appropriate things or nominate five to 10 super users, ask them to record the sessions and create your own training for your own workflow. Got a couple questions just deeper down. It sounds like you've got a shop of 50 people and the 50 produ 40 producers were able to use applied and not have to change and that their change was less disruptive and the pathway analytics were a bit better, but the 10 people that are doing the grunt work probably had the majority of the change. So was that where you had the tale of two cities? the one people that didn't see as much and the people producing your business and there are people that are kind of behind the scenes support that they have more of a drastic change. Just to be clear, our producers also changed to Vertifor, but the thing that remained consistent was the rating service on Applied. So you didn't have to relearn that and they could use that system. Exactly, exactly. So they didn't have to relearn rating service. And um, the, yeah, there was definitely a bigger lift for the staff, but the staff were also a lot more easy to train. Right there, they're sitting there working eight hours a day with a manager. That's a smaller group. They're generally a more technical group because they have already spent all their time, a lot of time learning the portals and they kind of get the BMS structure a bit more than a producer who wants to write an auto application.
were you one of the first people on Vertiforce Cloud? We all know that Keel had a bit of a hiccup with a bit of a, a, a cyber attack and the cloud was down and a lot of people were out of business for a period of time while they recreated that. Uh, and I'm assuming since then Vertiforce took over the cloud and it sounds like based on your onboarding, you're one of the first people in Canada to go on the Vertiforce Cloud with the Keel product. Is that correct? Uh, I'm actually not sure if we're one of the first um, or, or or what. I think we were we were up there. <laughs> we were We were like banging on the door for it and one thing one thing question i had just about your analytics you've went over to keel tell us uh tell our users about uh, are your reports better are you able to get a dashboard that's live uh the pathway analytics coming into your system do you have a lot better line of sight or it's been 12 months and you mentioned about hey i should look into these things and maybe that's on the to-do list to work at but are you a lot happier with your reporting and your analytics and your dashboard do you have a better sense to run your business vertifor we're very happy with their reporting um I, I do have uh, more time to spend on it, but the monthly report that I do is just a production report and comparing to you know versus last year growth versus shrinking, just keeping tabs on our on our volume kind of thing. Um, I'm very happy with how easy it is. Also, issuing renewal reports and commission statements is much more automated. Before we had to pull either all of them and then separate them as individual pages and send them to the producers. Now we just it's you know you download it, you download one, you click. It's a macro on an Excel. You hit it, boom, generates 40 commission reports, and it sends it out to the – and then you can just email them out to the producers. Uh, so just, just tell us you – know, you mentioned you went through a real you know, difficult stretch, but you know, 12, with 12 months of experience under your belt now, you know, where, where, where's your head at? Where's your staff? Where's your, uh, your producers? And what, what are some of the – some of the benefits that came out of it that you hadn't even anticipated. We feel great about it. Uh, very optimistic, and uh, especially standing where we are today, we just had a we have a biweekly producer kind of training slash session, and um, we had that today uh, earlier this morning, and kind of said, "Hey guys, it's been a year. Give yourselves a round of applause." Everyone was very optimistic. Everyone felt you know there's a very positive response on all the you know we have our cameras on on everyone's face. So I, I you know I, I know I feel optimistic about it, and the group feels good about it because now they're comfortable using it, and there are some user friendly components to it. Um, one thing I didn't expect, and I think it's just because I'm not involved in that side of the business, is the accounting side is actually a lot smoother as well. So our our, uh, our bookkeeping and just processing transactions and, and those kind of things, that that side, the workload has kind of been cut in half. So uh, on, a, on a monthly basis when it comes to monthly close. And I had no, you know, that was no, uh, that had nothing to do with my line of sight. I had no clue about that. Uh, I was not, I've never been involved in the accounting side. So that's been a nice to have kind of thing. So how soon before you do it again? <laughs> never, <laughs> hopefully never. And, and I told that to, to, uh, to all the vendors when we were going through this process that we're trying to make a once in a lifetime change. We're not trying to change again. That was an important factor for going to Vertifor as well was that they committed to us that their product will always be the latest product. So they won't come out with like, uh, you know, the epic equivalent of applied, right? And now we have to buy up to their new version. It'll always be Keel that we have now will always be the latest version, latest and greatest. So what if we future dated a year out, two years out, and it was completely open source? It was web-based architecture from Google. And now there's another competitor in Actress, and Theo was on the podcast and you know, there's two open source giants that are saying, do what you want with the data. I guess, what do you think of that world that's coming? And also B to Steve's question, 
what if those worlds arrive? Like, do you, do you have to consider those? Yeah, definitely new information that comes in. We got to work on that, right? When new information get, gets presented to us, we got to put it, put stack the chips and decide what's best for our business. So I'm going to always have a future perspective and a, and a vision for providing consumers a good experience. And I'm always going to try to drive towards that. Um, I'm optimistic that the change that we made in 2020 has prepared us for that. But if we fast forward, it's 2025 and there's better, more cost effective or more, uh, more, uh, uh, I guess, consumer effective, you know, there's just better products out there. Then absolutely. We have to consider that, uh, can't be closed minded in, in, in this today's change of pace. And I got to say about that episode, I was impressed with you guys more, more so than anything else. Cause you guys asked the tough questions on that episode with the applied CEO, <laughs> So that's the that's the part I was really impressed with. Just to be clear, he was he was awesome. I think we got to give credit to Taylor. He he told us not to hold back, and he he sort of answered them with with wit and charm, and he, he was very impressive. Yeah, he was. And Navy Zupon from Vertiforce. One question I have is right now the products aren't the same, so the Canadian all the stuff they're doing in the U.S. doesn't necessarily translate into Canada. What's the future of Vertifor slash Keel in Canada? Are they going to merge the systems together? Uh, is Canada going to get as much love as the U.S.? Uh, Amy's a great person. They've got a good platform. But is that something that's concerned you about the future? Because, you know, they bought the thing, but they haven't done any much change to it except put it on a cloud. Uh, what do you, where do you see it going with Vertifor? I just watched his recent presentation about uh, software as a service and how that's going to plug in. And I, I, I liked it. I, I think they're going in the right direction. But... Um, I can't. I can't comment on that. I, I'm a broker first, right? So uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna shift as we need to. It's it's solving the need right now, and you're happy, and you know things have been better for you. So it sounds like it's been a good move, and it's been a good process. And you know, thank you for sharing with the industry. There's a lot of brokers that are sitting there going, "What do I do?" You know, so it's nice to jump on your learning path, and it's really great that you've been sharing that with brokers to help the industry. So you know, on behalf of us, thank you for sharing and helping people out. You know, our digital insurance pints about helping people sharing our limited knowledge and every day the more we learn the more i realize we don't know that much so it's uh, it's really encouraging to share stories over a pint and uh share stuff so i think i think what you're doing is very very positive for the industry you, you mentioned something earlier on your uh on your on your webinars you say that you know um you don't um you, you, your webinars, it doesn't matter what broker management system you're on. A broker should look at what system's going to be the right one for the fit for their their culture, their processes, what type of broker they are, and so on and so forth. This is a question more for the group. Um, wouldn't it be nice if there was a place to go where, I mean, it's it's probably the most visceral change that a broker can make is, is changing your BMS. Is there a consultant or some sort of source of, of truth <laughs> that one could go to and say, look, can you come look at my brokerage and tell me which one's best for me instead of me looking at them all, getting sales pitches? I think the devil you know versus the devil you don't is like, I, this is where I was trying to boil out the numbers. And I, I think Sam's got a, an above average sort of intelligence and ability for tackling this stuff. I, I, I just quivered a second when you told me or said the words about all those sales pitches. I I'm still a firm believer in just, you know, stick to the one and then start working on the play. Like there's so many other things to figure out in brokering that I find it a hard time to believe like that, that one system given the alternatives out there 
is the thing that's holding you back. I, I like some of his numbers about a, a roughly one year return on investment and a brighter future. And now we're positioned to accelerate. And I think that, that sounds about the best case scenario I've ever heard. And Steve, I, I think your good idea. It's good about, a, uh, you know, having a consultant. I think that's good, but there's not one consultant. You know, it's almost you have to do a digger, have somebody in your team or you do it a deeper dive to make sure that you and whoever on your team, that the system is a right fit with you culturally. Is the system future proofed? And I think the big thing we talked about now is it open source. Like the Apple systems of that are closed, that don't play well with others, they don't have a long shelf life right now. Everybody's opening up. You need to build in. And, and a BMS is only part of the solution. You know, Sam mentioned he went to Vertiforce, but he quickly mentioned, yeah, he's running pathway and it's doing a bunch of his stuff so there's not one size fits all tom earmuffs you can't trust consultants <laughs> just for the record tom i'm not tom i'm not sure if you're you're doing bms consulting at this point well, this 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 way no i am not but i think i think there's, there's two parts of these questions one is wouldn't it be nice if such a service existed and yeah it would be nice and you look at like there are huge firms that make a you know, have like PwC, Accenture, IBM, like these guys charge gajillions of dollars. They, you know, for the most part, they do a great job. You know, CEOs of big companies go to them to say, should we buy Guidewire or Duck Creek or whatever, right? And they do a significant analysis because it's a huge discussion. Brokers, you know, Pr Prime is lucky that Sam was able to, you know, figure this out, you know, bonked his, bonked his face into a wall a few times, but, you know, kept going and figured it out. But how many brokers have a Sam working for them, right? I would, I would argue not that many. Um, so yeah, so it, it would absolutely be nice if there was such a facility, but by the same token, you go to PwC, you're gonna be charged, you know, $600 US an hour. Brokers can't afford that. You, you, you go to a smaller firm, because they know what they're talking about, who knows? Now you need a consultant to tell you which consultant to go to. Well, is that, I think a farmer said it best. In order to run a business, you need a, an accountant, you need a lawyer, and you need a guy to watch both of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is most insurance brokers do not have the the size and or the capability to get said, or to get the capability. Um, and, and even if you did, where do you get it? I mean, I did, I went through the process, same as Sam. So, I flew up to Toronto and met with three Epic brokers. We're the first, uh, we went the same time as another Atlantic Canadian broker to Epic. Epic was brand new. So I went and sat in chairs for days with three different brokers in uh, the Toronto area and looked at Epic and did my own research and everything. And I, I think I'll be the first one to admit in, in Applied's um, defense kind of is that I, you know, we've been there for six, seven years now. I've, I've really, I've forgotten all about the gains that I got because there were gains. I can remember, you know, we went down to CSR and we actually didn't have to replace them because we made more, we were more efficient. Um, but I forgot about all those things. And what I focus on now is all the things I don't like. Right. And, and if I went, somewhere else, if I did the research and I went to Vertifor, I went back to Power Broker or I went to Acturus or whatever, I, I know too, I, I, I'd see all those things that are awesome and I'm, that Applied is not um, giving me the love on right now, 
but I'd, I'd forget about them real fast and, and learn about all the things I hate about the new one. I mean, that's that's just the space we live in, right? Well, I think the big thing you should have to look at is, is the new system going to improve your productivity? Can you do more? You know, is each of your people going to be able to do more? Can you automate some of the tasks that you've got a virtual assistant doing it or somebody doing it? Can you automate that with computers? Can you not? Uh, you have to look at that. You know, are you more efficient? Can you do more with less? Do you need more resources? These are all things, and you have to look at your input costs. And again, you realize there's a lot of pain in the middle. And uh, again, trying to switch systems. And congratulations, Sam, to switching systems during COVID. Not an easy task, right? Uh, that consulting idea. That's I've actually juggled that idea myself the past couple uh, months, I would say, or weeks of maybe offering that. Um, but I see I see Adam shaking his head. And traditionally, I've thought uh, consultants, unless they're right in the space. Um, like a PwC type consultant coming into an insurance brokerage doesn't know the field enough to add value. So that's one of my one of my hesitations. But I'm I'm curious to know if that consultant did exist and imagine they were perfect. Like you know, there's no issues with them. What would you be comfortable paying for something like that? Let's say you get PwC rate. Let's say you get six hundred dollars an hour. I'll I'll tell you as another you know business owner that you absolutely would be in demand and you absolutely would add value. You are worth more to your business than $600 an hour. So if you stay in your lane and it's a selfish position, you you need to show some of that discipline because you doubling your company, which is totally possible, you can't line up enough consulting for the next four years to pay that value. Well, the one problem about consulting is when you're not consulting, how much money are you making? Well, you're you're right. Half my customers, you know, most most of the brokers, they they don't want to pay. So I don't know. I don't know what that's about. But uh, you guys tell me that over a beer one of these days. No, we don't want to pay. So I'm gonna go one more sort of closing thought on my side because I want to give Sam credit. He stated it, and I want to give Jeff credit because he said it in a way that's been an earworm in my head. And and Sam said something to the effect of of know what you're chasing, um, and you know what are you trying to fix. Um, Jeff says it famously in my head as, as what does winning look like? And, and I'll just say, don't anybody attempt any project of this size until you have defined what the winning looks like so that, you know, are you there? Are you short? Was your hypothesis wrong? But getting that clarity, um, I think Sam got a couple lucky bounces and that he learned it along the way. And it sounds like it's worked out nicely. Yeah. And I'll add to that, Adam, like there's no magic bullet. You're not just going to buy a software and, and life will be better. It doesn't matter which one you go to. It's going to be, how are you, how are you using it? Sam, so um, you heard some interesting conversation here from the guys, including don't become the, don't, don't let your, 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 your children become consultants or <laughs> words to that effect. But um, so why don't, why don't you, why don't you, uh, everybody else will shut up for, 30 to 60 seconds here and let you kind of wrap us up. Sure. Appreciate that. And thank you guys again for, uh, for, for, for having me and for the great conversation and uh, for the advice to, to stay in my lane. Uh, I think, I think that's, that's very valuable to, to think about it that way. Um, I'm, I'm really excited that we made this change. And I think a lot of brokers are thinking about something like this. And I, I love Steve's point that it's not gonna, you're not going to change your technology and then be every, all your problems are gone. It doesn't happen overnight, but my goal with the webinars that I'm hosting with IBAS and, uh, and, and that I, that I had with IBAO, um, is to actually communicate that information exactly that way, pretty much to, to brokerages. And, uh, and if you still want to move your technology, here's what it looks like. Here's what the, what the ups and downs are. I think, um, 
you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the best part of that consulting opportunity, which is somebody to come in and say, let me bring you back down to reality. All these salespeople are pie in the sky. They're telling you everything's going to be great on our software. Let's, let's level that back down to earth. Let's talk broker language and how is your business actually going to change? So that's, that's my goal. Uh, you know, kind of brokers training brokers. And, uh, I think brokers are extremely practical people too practical. And we're very practical at our office. We, you know, we're not going to build the tool that takes us to the moon. We're going to, we're, we're going to try to help our clients just, you know, have their insurance and be happy with us. So, uh, you know, with that practicality in mind, how can we use technology to drive our business forward? Um, I'm thinking about that every day and you guys of course are, are leaders in that space. So I, uh, you know, thank you for having me here and, um, hopefully we can do it again. Yeah. And, uh, just wanted to say um, on behalf of well, these guys uh, that I really appreciate having you. And uh, I want to give one more shout out to our sponsors, IFS Premium Finance, Crew Group, uh, Garrison, and our charity partner, WIC. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Cheers. Is retention important to your brokerage? Of course it is. That's why at IFS, we have a cancellation prevention process. Want more details? Give us a call. I know you don't always use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers.